The Phileas Club is entirely supported by its listeners. If you think you'd like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash thephileasclub and subscribe. The link is in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is episode 98 for November 2017, and we're talking about what it's like to be a woman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phileas Club. My name is Patrick Beja, and this is a show where we get together with different people from different countries, different places in the world, different outlooks, uh, different cultures, and we discuss stuff that has been happening in the past month or so. So those are the regular episodes, which we do towards the end of the month. But also, in the middle of the month, we often do special episodes where we tackle a specific topic or a specific country or a specific something. And um, today we are going to be doing that. We're going to be talking about being a woman. And you might think, well, Patrick, you aren't one and you're right. But thankfully, I do have a fantastic cast of uh, women that agreed to come on the show and uh, discuss what that means. And the less uh, uh, positive things about that, uh, you know, aspect of our society. Before we start, though, I would just like to say, just to ward off any uh, uh, discussion that isn't the topic, that what we're going to be talking about this, it doesn't mean that there aren't other issues for other people, that there aren't issues with men being sexually harassed, that there aren't issues with other categories of people being discriminated against. Uh, but just like we do when we talk about, let's say, a communist in France or a, a, an Irishman or a Venezuelan or a, a conservative uh, American we're here to listen to what the people have to say because that's something that doesn't happen enough in our society today, I feel. So just listen to what the people have to say and maybe try to understand. And I'm talking to the left, I'm talking to the right, I'm talking to the center here, I'm talking to everyone because I'm sure that everyone would have something to add to this, but we're just here to listen. So that's me. I'm going to try to speak less during this show, um, and I'm going to let the women uh, talk to us. And that wonderful laugh you're hearing is that of Alison, uh, Alison Sheridan. How are you doing? Uh, I was going to say, sir, see, my bias already showed. <laughs> there I, you go. I have too many men on this show. How are you doing, madam? <laughs> Alison will be better, that. probably. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm excited to be here. I was just laughing because I was giving Patrick a hard time. He said he was going to be quiet during this episode, and I've I've got my bets going. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's not going to happen. Uh, we also have Wendy, who's joining us. So Allison is in uh, California. Wendy is originally from uh, the U.S. from Utah, but she's currently in Sweden, which is the most wonderfully equal uh, country for genders in the world. Right? It is. It, well. It is. <laughs> I mean, we're not perfect, but we're Not close. perfect. Sure. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Wendy. Um, we also have Marlene, who's joining us from the Netherlands. How's it going? Great. Thank you. And finally, a, a newbie, a newcomer, although Alison is the first time on, for you on the show, but you're just so much into podcasting that I, you know, and I know you so well. <laughs> and you've like, been on my show. Yeah. And... Uh, but yes, uh, Shay is here as well. How's it going, Shay? 
I'm doing well. I am from the totally non-confrontational, super inclusive South of America, <laughs> state known as Georgia. No problems here. We're all, you know, we accept yeah. everybody. <laughs> well, th- I'm sure this is going to make for an interesting conversation. So thanks to uh, all four of you for being on the show. Uh, I think we're going to start by um, maybe giving each one of you a chance to introduce yourselves. And then, you know, we'll see where the conversations go. I'm sure there are going to be things to discuss. Uh, let's start maybe with Allison. Um, why don't you go ahead? So I'm a uh, retired mechanical engineer, uh, IT professional. I worked uh, at a a giant corporation for 35 years, 60,000-person company, um, 11 years as mechanical engineer, and then slid over into the IT field when that was invented and uh, became an IT fellow, which was the highest technical level an IT person could reach inside our company. Uh, Retired now, podcasting for fun, and that's about it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wendy, what about yourself? This is just to give listeners a a little bit of context about who each of you are and what you do, what you like. It doesn't necessarily have to be about your job specifically, but yeah, Wendy. Um, Yeah, my name is Wendy. I am a acting acting therapist. That means I just act like one. Uh, (laughs) That was the wrong word. Um, I'm a therapist and I'm currently in Sweden. We've been here um, uh, three and a half years now, and uh, originally from the States. Don't know where we're going next, but, you know, enjoying life overseas a little bit. Are, are you not uh, staying in Sweden? I don't know. Ooh. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. It's winter, as you know. You live in Finland. It, yeah. It's a time where everyone considers their life mission and <laughs> thinks about going to Spain. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see. You look outside and <laughs> you're like, huh, why did I come here again? I'm not, I yeah. don't. You know, um, <laughs> Marlene, what about yourself? Um, so I'm, uh, I'm Marlene. I'm uh, an artist. I work in different applied arts fields. So letterworking, bookbinding, uh, that kind of, uh, that kind of stuff. I also really like to cook and I'm currently working on a, a guest book for a wedding of some friends and a uh, personalized diary book. Uh, for a girl in the States. Excellent. All right. And finally, Shay, tell us where you're from or, you know, something about yourself. Of course, a little bit more. So I'm originally from Atlanta and I uh, work in production. I do master control, but I'm also a producer as well. I have a podcast myself called The Show Me Up Club. Um, it's more for a television show, so it's not, uh, it, it's more fun and goofy and uh, things of that nature. But um, I love podcasting. I do that for fun. I also uh, love different types of art when it comes to filmmaking. I am a, I went to college for that. I was a screenwriter, a playwright in Atlanta for a while. So um, I met Marlene and Marlene is just such a wonderful person and invited me. I'm here and Patrick, of course, allowing me to be here. So I'm excited to get the conversation going. All right. Well, let's let's do just that. Um, so why don't we start? I, I'm not, to be completely honest, this is how prepared I am. I'm not sure how this is going to go, or what we're even going to talk about. You're right? not prepared, Patrick. You're I am not prepared. Not prepared. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. Um, so who wants to, to start and maybe uh, tell us what's on their mind? And of course, I've been thinking about doing a show like this for a long time we actually did a show about uh, uh uh women a long time ago it was of course a different uh context but 
I felt like there was never a good time, and now there are all these scandals, and I don't want to to focus on them too much, but I guess we should address them if someone wants to. Um, anyone uh, wants to go Richard? first? Yeah, go and, ahead, Shay. There, this, is, uh, this is Shay. There's so much going on, and I think the interesting part about it is, is it's all sort of coming to a boil now. Uh, but this is something that's been happening for a long time, and we, I think what's sort of putting it towards that boil is that there are, there is the support. There are the men behind it saying, this is wrong. This like, it's been wrong. And people have been saying that it's wrong. But of course, now that everyone sort of is looking at it, that's when people who've had allegations against them for years where women have said something. Uh, now it's, now it's being brought to light. Uh, just if we're going to talk about news, we're going to talk about things of that nature. Um, think about, Harvey Weinstein and things that are going on with him and how these women have been making allegations for years and it's been being swept under the rug. And now all of a sudden, because he's gotten fired, it's just this trickle down of all these actors that everyone loves and everyone sees is, is their idols are are starting to fall. And I know a lot of people are like, well, but I love his work or I love their work. And I think there's that separation of, do you still appreciate the work? but dislike the person as well. And how does that go in hand in hand? And I know a lot of people are conflicted about that, but they have to understand that this conflict has been going on for the people that have come in, the men, the women that have come out. Uh, This conflict has been going on with them, torment almost, uh, since whatever happened, happened to them. So how do you give that support? How do you give that that opinion and saying, Hey, well, I really like house of cards, but Oh, poor, like, you know, yeah. everything going on with Kevin Spacey. Like, what well, do you do? Do they lose everything? So I, I know I threw a bunch of stuff in there, but just to get things started, we'll yeah. mix back. It, it is definitely a, a difficult uh, question to answer for people to, hen- to enjoy that work. But I'd like to ask all of you, um, I think for me speaking as a man, usually when I see these things coming to light, I'm like, I, I, the the first reaction is kind of disbelief. Like, I can't believe that this is happening or that it happened or, you know, it's kind of an inimaginable thing. And I think it's not quite for the you, same reaction. Yeah, yeah for me. <laughs> so wh- how do you, do you guys react well, when things I, like that happen? Oh, I'd ahead. like to jump in on that. Um, so recently, in, just in the last few days, I think it started last Thursday, there was a Washington Post expose about a uh, guy named Roy Moore who is running for uh, Senate. I think it's Senate. I'm bad at this, uh, which is why I've not. Been, <clears throat> OK, good. Thank you. Correct me on any of the political stuff. Um, <laughs> but what broke was that they they found this woman who, when she was 14 years old, uh, was approached by this guy, Roy Moore, and uh, he flattered her quite a bit, and he convinced her to go with him back to his house. Now, he didn't rape her, but he did things that are illegal under even <laughs> state law in Alabama. Uh, and the the thing that really struck me when I was reading the article and reading the quotes from this woman, I mean, this happened 40 years ago, so there's a lot of, well, why did she wait 40 years? But exactly to your point, Patrick, she said... I was 14 years old and I was so flattered that an older man was paying attention to me that I went with him. And that was the words that just went, oh, my God, I absolutely would have done that at 14. An older man making advances to me. I mean, you're you're just starting to figure out, like, how do I be attractive to the other sex? And it's like that gave me chills when I read that line. I was 100 percent certain she was telling the truth. 
You mean because, uh, I've, yeah, I'm not. Because I could resonate to that feeling because mm. I could just totally, I mean, you would think, well, what an idiot, you know, why did she go with this older man? She shouldn't have done that. But no, my reaction was, oh my God, I totally would have done that. Absolutely would have done that. And that's why we have laws that prohibit that kind of thing, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. but, well, uh, at least, I mean, I can only speak to, for example, with the Team USA doctor, Larry Nassar, where these are 13, 14-year-old girls, 12, 13, 14-year-old girls that he's traveling with, and he's their team doctor. I'm not sure if you know about this scandal that just happened. I don't, actually. Um, where he's being indicted, uh, not indicted, but he, um, he, for sexually assaulting over, I don't want to say, it was, it's a large number, um, but this is the Team USA doctor. He's traveling with the women's um, gymnastic team, where he would go and take these girls as they were um, as they were traveling abroad and saying, "Hey, well, uh, I know you you uh, you want to be more flexible if you want to do this. Well, I know these certain stretches that we can do. Oh my god! And I know that there's certain like there's there's certain d- things you know that uh, that um, pressure points that I could hit." that will help you heal faster, that'll help you stretch better, that'll help you compete better. And this man was essentially assaulting these girls, getting them alone in his hotel room. And this has been going on for years. And this is, these gym, these athletes uh, that have been, that have, um, I believe, um, Allie Reisman, um, Reisman um, said that this happened to her, as well as, um, I think, Michaela Mulrooney um, said the same thing. She was 13 years old, and this man is bringing her back to a hotel room, opening her legs, doing these things, and under the guise of a doctor. And this is... So again, a position course, of power, like, right? A position of power. And you're thinking, oh, well, why didn't the girl say anything? Well, this man is a doctor that your parents have left you alone with. or there, And a lot of people wonder, like, huh, what happened? Where were the other... Because I know I asked that question myself. I'm like, where are the other adults seeing 13, 14 year old girls coming out of this man's room. But again, they're like, Oh, he's a doctor. He's not going to do anything. Mm. He's, you know, he's this, that or whatever. But this is like years and years, like even older gymnasts said, like, this is what, what happened. This man called this procedures. And it's like how, like this is happening to younger girls, how you're supposed to, like, how Mm. are you supposed to feel safe leaving your child anywhere? And again, this, this, we're, we're talking about females in general, but even with males, it happens too. But it's, it's that position of power. It's someone being in that mindset of, wow, I can do anything I want and not get caught. And, I've, and I'm saying that these are stretches. I'm saying that these are procedures and feeding these terms to these girls. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate. And now I, I know that every man isn't like this, um, but there are some that are. And, and I think that's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. God, no, no, continue, continue. I think that's a really important point because I, I alluded to it earlier, but when, when men hear about these things, uh, our reaction is, as I was saying, you know, oh my God, that's incredible. That's unbelievable. Like literally people can't believe, men can't believe that this is actually happening. We're sort of being forced into believing that it is for most of us because we're seeing so many testimonies and so many of these incidents, um, including some regarding men, but mostly uh, for women. Um, but as I was saying, most women that I talk to tell me, yeah, that's that doesn't surprise me at all. That's how it is. Uh, we talk about, you know, a field that in this crowd we know a little bit better, maybe harassment in video games and in live chat and in stuff like that. And it's the, the, these kinds of things that upset us as men have become uh, very habitual for, for women. So I'd like to explore a little bit more of your experiences uh, if you have stuff to share. And so yeah. to try and 
to try and, and give listeners a, a sort of an idea of how <laughs> I don't want to say I, I want to say normal uh, women experience life, you know, not the celebrities and not the actresses and not the um, super uh, uh, competent uh, athletes like our friends, our girlfriends, our, our uh, wives, mothers, all of this. So, uh, Marlene, you were you were responding here. Yeah, because um, I I, um, I understand that if you um, perceive all these uh, these breaking news items, if you view them as individual incidents, uh, it is I can understand that it feels like it's unbelievable <laughs> that all these individual incidents are happening, and I think. Um, I think the big difference is that for um, uh, most women, um, these are are just extreme examples that are part of an experience that we live basically every day, and that makes I think that's what makes it. Uh, I, that's why I really understand what Alison was saying. That you hear one of those stories, and you're immediately like, I can instantly feel how she must have felt at that moment and i can instantly understand what it did to her and how uh, uh why she reacted in the way she reacted including why she didn't uh tell her story earlier uh that is a i think that's a feeling that's very very common to uh, uh, uh most women um because they they've been living um in a society that sort of um, brings about all these small, small things. So let me give you an example. Mm. Um, for example, uh, and I think one of the, the things is that um, <laughs> it's so common for women that we, we just don't, we, we, we hardly ever mention these little things happening, which is why uh, like our, our boyfriends or partners or dads uh, who want to support us, they don't know because we don't tell them every little incident. So, for example, it's about uh, being in a uh, crowded bus and uh, a couple people uh, uh, passing you uh, to go to the back. Um, <clears throat> and then, for example, there'll be, there'll be two women passing you without a problem and then there'll be a man passing you. And for some reason, uh, even though he is of like, uh, like the same physique as the women who just passed you, for some reason, uh, you are very much aware of his hips very, very much pressing on your butt. Mm. While the women had no problem passing you without making any like uh, uncomfortable contact. It's, it's these tiny little things. Um, we were at the supermarket, uh, my mom and I, um, uh, like a week ago. Um, and there was this guy, I think he was like approximately 60, 60 years old. And he was standing behind us at the register and he was speaking really loudly, uh, addressing mostly the lady at the register and my mom really loudly. So you must have had a horrible week with all this me too nonsense. I don't like it. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like women who suddenly complain. I mean, you should have complained. You should have said, no, there was this, this barrage of like a 60-year-old guy in the middle of the supermarket. He was, in the meantime, he was getting closer to my mom until like, there was absolutely no reason because it wasn't crowded. 
but he was getting closer to my mom. So he was standing basically uh, uh, like he was touching, like his jacket was touching her jacket. And he tilted his head towards her. He's like, Do, don't you understand what I'm saying? Well, she had already like taken a couple steps back. So these, these, there's no, it's, it's completely absurd. These you things know what's, happening. what's striking me here is that, as you mentioned, and I think it resonates a lot because I've listened to Alison's uh, uh, chit-chat across the pond, the latest episode or the one before that, uh, you talked about all of these little things that happened to you throughout your careers. And um, I think Bart in that episode, or maybe you called them paper cuts. And yeah, yeah. I, I, I was in that episode. I, I just described just these little things that, that would happen. Like, um, I don't know. One of the examples was my, uh, my boss, uh, Bill, I was walking down the hall and he walks up behind me and he puts his around, arm around me and gives me a squeeze. And I said, you know, and we were friends, you know, I'd known him forever. It was no big deal. And I said, I said, what the hell are you doing, Bill? And he said, oh, I just took a sexual harassment class and I found out that the penalty for me making you have sex with me for a promotion was the same as if I did something like this. And I figured I'm going to get caught anyway. I might as well go for it. He was joking. It was funny, right? It was no big deal. But when I th I started recounting these things and and realizing it is, it was death by a thousand paper cuts. There were so many little tiny things like that. I mean, I don't have a huge scandal story. It's a little thing. Um, but after I did that, that uh, episode, a woman wrote to me and said, you can die from an infected paper cut. Yeah. And, and I mean, just, even, yeah. even beyond dying from an infected paper cut, it's it's like imagine a paper getting a paper cut every day i mean if you get a paper cut you're a man quote unquote like you you go to work and someone uses a piece of paper and goes like Shoop, and gives you a paper cut you're like what the hell are you doing fred oh that's not cool come on stop it that's not cool but whatever but if it happens every single day i think even a paper cut is starting to become an issue and i'll you know in the me too category sorry allison you're already winning your bet but I'll confess something to uh, what Marlene was saying. I'll, I'm going to be very open here and and extremely guilty. the the bus uh, the bus thing or the metro thing. We have a lot of public transportation in France in Paris, and I used to take the bus. I might, when I was a little bit younger, have you know pressed. Uh, myself against not like horribly but it's just like the, these little things because and you're, you could you don't know how to behave and you're like whatever it's not a big you deal know. like you know and you're awkward and you're young and it's i i feel horrible about it now but it's it's just it wasn't a thing like it wasn't something that we were educated about and i think it speaks to the the the, the fact that people don't know that this is Anyway, I feel very self-conscious Can, self I, can, right I, now. can um, I jump in on, on that part, on the yeah. I don't know? Yeah. Because the thing is, you so said there, there's been like a couple of um, sort of metaphors going around. Like, uh, if, like imagine if you're a person, uh, if you're a guy and you're like, oh, I suddenly I don't know how to behave, behave around women anymore because, you know, everything could be misinterpreted. There's a couple of metaphors. One of the, th one of the ones that I thought was really, really insightful so imagine the the other person which in most cases of, or in many cases will be a woman but you know 
uh, women are not the only ones who, mm-hmm. who are victims. Um, imagine that that person is in a position of firing you. Would you still do it? Because if you don't, then you know it's wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can I uh, jump in? Oh, oh of course. Sure. I, I hate to interrupt women because it happens all the time. <laughs> so I'm very conscious of that. Um, but I have an analogy that just happened today to my husband that I think is, is really relevant for this idea. And first of all, Patrick, thank you for sharing that. That's there's a, there's, yeah, it's a I really, huge deal I really to understanding it. I'm, I really feel bad. I'm sweating. Honestly, I didn't. I, I, anyway, sorry. Yeah, that's I, great. No, it's great. And I, I'll share a story later about a two hour conversation with a very good man about how hard it is to kind of wrap your head around. It. It's, it's some of this stuff. But anyway, let me share this example. So, you know, collectively, women, raise your hand if you've been on public transportation and seen a man masturbating while looking at you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, lived, I, lived in, I lived in New York for five years, and that's um, a standard on Standard, yeah, that's just normal, right? So, um, wow. Yeah, that's happened to me. I, we don't have public transportation in California, in uh, Southern California <laughs> to speak of, so I, I've been spared that. Right. Yikes. Okay, so it's pretty common, especially if you live somewhere, you know, where that's a common way of getting around. So today my husband's coming home on the train and a intoxicated guy has an ax. I mean, this is not America, so it wasn't a gun, but it was an ax. And he was threatening a passenger because he wanted money and the guy wouldn't give him money. And he just kind of started hacking at one of the chairs. And this is all two feet away from where my husband's standing. And everyone is in shock and panic and sort of, what do we do? And, should we tackle them? You know, they're kind of having a collective traumatic moment with, fortunately, a drunk enough, uncoordinated enough person with an axe. He couldn't really harm anybody. And his friend kind of talked him down and, and everyone went on their merry way. Now, I want you to take those two experiences and you think, yeah, they're both pretty traumatic. But the one is traumatic for you alone because you are alone feeling it. So take that feeling of a guy with an axe and you're alone on that train instead of in rush hour with 100 other people. You are the only one feeling threatened. You are the only one. You're being pointed, picked out of the crowd to be victimized, whereas this guy was scaring everyone collectively. The feeling isn't different. The feeling is just the same. It's just only you get it and you carry it and you carry that weight versus maybe collectively we have something to work towards, you know, fixing a problem. And and I guess it's to, easy um, to to de dramatize. Is that a word in English? In French, you you think like to make it not a big deal when you can share it with people, but you're when you're alone with it. Um, sorry, Shay, I, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I was just holding off. Um, even to piggyback on that, I know, like with the whole Me Too everything, I read a couple stories and I decided to share my own story. And I, maybe Marlene has seen it. I'm not sure. But since we're even talking on transit, this is a good segue. I know mm-hmm. um, when I lived in New York, I used to work at Viacom um, as uh, an intern, and I would have to get up at like six o'clock in the morning to walk to the train by myself to get on transit to take the 45 minute ride. Um, to switch trains to get to work. And I remember it being um, about like seven-ish in the morning and I'm on a crowded one train. It is cold. I have on a bubble coat and um, I feel some, um, like, you know, on the train, everyone's there, everyone's going to work and I feel someone's hand on my behind. And I'm thinking, okay, it's a crowded train. You know what happens, people's hands move. And I just remember feeling it very clear on my behind and remembering 
I have on a bubble coat. I shouldn't feel someone's hand on me. And then I happen to, then I start to feel this man start to hunt me on a crowded train <sighs> at seven something in the morning. Um, and I'm just like, I'm in, sh- you know, people say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I was in shock. I'm like, is this yeah. happening to me right now? And it's a crowded train. Everyone sees this happening. No one's doing anything. And I t- it, it took me a moment to kind of get together. And I just elmo- elbowed this guy in the, um, in the stomach. Because again, I'm like, you're doing this because you're not expecting me to react. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, in that moment of reacting, of course, you know, you hit him, you do this. As, and this is the difference between, like, in my opinion, being um, reacting as a woman is I don't know if this guy is, has a knife on me or a gun on me. And if I make a move, he's going to hurt me. I don't know if um, he's deciding to get his sexual kicks because, oh, I've got a knife to this woman's back and she doesn't know. I have to take two seconds to think about all this. Is me reacting worth getting stabbed? Is me reacting yeah. worth getting shot? Is me, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to try and hit me. Is it worth that? And in that moment, I felt, okay, I was on a crowded train. It was worth it. I elbowed him and just said, what the F are you doing? And he kind of looked at me a little shocked that, you know, that I actually reacted and then he just went down the train and um, no one said anything. And I remember thinking that day, like, oh my God, this is like, that's so, is this a crazy New York train story? This is so crazy. And I told people about the story and I was laughing. I'm like, oh my God, this guy did this to me. Isn't that so crazy? And then later on that night, one of my friends, as I told this story to her, I was like, yeah, this guy like reached up my coat and humped me on the train. Isn't that crazy? And she just goes, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. Why would I not be okay? She goes, because a man stuck his hand up your coat and humped you on a train. That's scary. Are you okay? <laughs> and it took me a moment and I wanted to cry. And I was like, I had been like mm. compartmentalizing this. I'm like, this is so funny. This is like explaining it to myself. And then I understand why. Because I- it was so absurd. Yeah, it was so absurd. And people don't say anything because they, I was explaining it in my head. Because I wasn't dressed provocatively. It was, I wasn't drunk. I wasn't, you know, by But myself. you thought about that, didn't you? Was yeah. I dressed yeah. provocatively? Yeah, but I was a bubble coat. Like, this is, I don't know why you're turned on by a bubble coat, but Jesus Christ, like, it, it, it's one of those things where I, it took me a moment to realize that I knew that it affected me, but I had automatically put up this wall to explain why it happened. Yeah. One well, yeah. also, sorry to be the therapist, but oh, you were sure. you were processing it all day long. You were telling other people in in a funny way, in a non like, ah, this is funny, but seeking support because uh, the reality of it is fairly horrifying. And and I think that's kind of what we're seeing with the the hashtag Me Too is how incredibly therapeutic it is for people to share this stuff for the first time. Some of them in twenty, thirty, forty years. Or, you know, that that need to say this happened to me and do you believe me is so mm. crucial to, to healing. So it's a it's I mean, it's an example of this thing that I think we are witnessing. And and that's what's so wonderful about the support people are getting. And also what's so scary about the, the bashing that does go on on the Internet, exactly. because it is such a vulnerable place. You know, you you bring up a, a good point there. One of the one of the reasons I did my women's story, I couldn't think of a better name. It's kind of a stupid name, but it worked. Um, was because I wanted to get it off my I, I chest. I don't think it's you a know? stupid name. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I listen to the name of my podcast, you know, I'm not good at naming things, but I, I felt like I needed to get off my chest. And what was interesting was that my husband of 34 years heard things that he hadn't heard before. Um, you know, when I was, when I was, I think around 12 or 13 years old, I went on a, a date to see the 10 commandments with a boy and we walked back through the woods. This was rural, uh, Indiana. And, uh, we were, I was attacked by some young boys and I have no memory of how I got away from them. I know I did, but I don't remember anything about what happened. I know I got knocked down into the leaves and I know I got back up and I wasn't with them anymore, but I don't actually remember what happened. And my husband had never heard that story. I'd never told anyone that story in my entire life. But this me too thing is is freeing to say, okay, if we all compare these notes and look around, you know, okay, that's it, you may, like you like you said about the bubble coat. You started saying, well, you know, was I dressed provocatively? Well, no, I wasn't. You know, why did that even come into your head? Right? Exactly. We we exactly. think of these things, and just the need to excuse it as something funny that happened. Like, oh, this is just again crazy New York train story. Like, I feel like. Um, uh, and this is just me may, unfortunately making an assumption, but Patrick, I feel like something like that, like if, if if you were reading riding a train and some man stuck his hand up your coat and started humping you, I feel like your reaction would be a lot different than my reaction, or the thought process would be different. I, um, I think it would be it would be a, a, a weird. Uh, it would actually be just a crazy New York story. I would just elbow them much faster. I would get away, you know. It would mm-hmm. it would happen. It would start happening, and I would elbow him or like push them away. Or and and that leads me to to a question. I think that a lot of uh, men, if I'm playing dumb slash playing devil's advocate, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. which is something I really do in my um, in these shows because I want to ask the questions that maybe some of the audience would my ask themselves. My favorite thing you do. <laughs> Thank uh-huh. you. I think a lot of people would think, well. Okay, but this is not such a big deal, right? It's not. You, how how would you react to someone saying, "All right, you know, someone got too close and was saying like, oh, me too' thing in the supermarket, and and you know, got yeah. too close to your mom, think, little bit of invasion of private space here. Someone uh, put their yeah. hand on your butt, and it's not such a big deal, right? It's not the end it's, of the world, not, right? So, and, and I would say the difference between that um, is saying like a coat touching. This is me feeling someone's hand on my behind and then a hard on on me. And, and someone dry humping me on it. And, and that's, it doesn't ha- like the way we're taught, that's not appropriate. Um, and I think more or less, and again, it being New York, um, not even to excuse it as again, the city, but this happened on a crowded train full of people that didn't see a problem with it. Mm. Um, and, you know, you have people kind of looking, people looking away and just in disbelief, like, Oh, they must know each other. Again, people make excuses Like, oh, I don't have to intervene because they must know each other. They must, you know, do this, do that together. This must be their thing. And it's and for me, of course, I can't make excuses for anyone else in this, uh, you know, that was there. Because, again, they didn't know my relationship to this man until I elbowed him and say, what, said, what are you doing? And he left and he walked but away. But I think so. what a lot of people would say is, but, the, but that incident yeah. was not... Well, I mean, not even that, just that incident. Things you're talking about, uh, like Alison was saying and Marlene was saying, it's like, but it's not, that doesn't cause trauma. It's can I, can I give you an example? Uh, but I would say it does cause sure. trauma because that stayed with me and I had to make, mm. up, make up 
a uh, an example as to why this happened right. or or make it funny or like till this day I remember that till this day I ride trains with my back to the wall. See? I don't I don't mm. like I don't I don't stand in the middle. I don't want anyone coming at me from behind. That changed my train riding experience where I was much this is I was somebody that walked home um, walked from like the train and I didn't live close to a, a train entrance. So I would walk maybe 20 minutes by myself. And even that scared me because I didn't want someone to, to like, I shouldn't have to change the way I ride the train in fear that somebody is going to hunt me from behind. So, so that, yeah, go ahead. yeah, I'm, I'm really, really glad with um, that uh, addition from Shay, because I, I think, um, uh, so um, we should really, uh, uh, ask a psychologist, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I'm ready. I'm ready. Just ask me. <laughs> Go. <laughs> because, uh, so for example, the tiny, tiny thing, I think I was 16. I was in Rome with my parents on holiday. We were at the Spanish stairs. It was beautiful. And it was really crowded because apparently it was some fashion thing going on. And a car was trying to move through the crowd. Um, they probably had been told that they weren't allowed to, but, um, well, I love Italian traffic. So, uh, they, they, the car pushed through anyway, which meant that the crowd was, you know, being squeezed together even, even more. So as the car passed and we, we got more space again, because people, you know, uh, uh, moved out of each other's way again, I suddenly felt that all this time, um, I was wearing a wrap skirt a wraparound skirt, and I suddenly felt that uh, a guy, I actually, I assumed it was a guy, I don't know, because I never saw their face, Um, I assumed this guy had had his hands between my legs during this time. Mm. And And so I only felt it when he took his hand away because in the, because when it was happening, there was so much pressure like on like every part of your body that I I, I, I just didn't like specifically register that pressure from like all the other people squeezing and, and like uh, pushing into me. That fact, that idea is still the reason why I don't go into crowds after like uh, more than 20 years. Because it's not just the fact that it happened. It's the fact that I wasn't. I didn't even register. And by the time that I did register, I wasn't in time to see like to which body that hand belonged to. Mm. Just the notion that you can, these things can even happen to you without even being like in the position to react, not even being able to notice that scared the crap out of me. Mm. Um, Wendy. So, uh, active, uh, how did you put it? Active psychologist, <laughs> practicing psychologist, acting psychologist. Active, really active. Acting, yes, that's right. I, I, I want to throw a couple things out there really quick. Just my, my anecdotal experience practicing since uh, President Trump was elected has been really interesting. I mean, instead of make America great on his hat, it should say trigger warning because the amount of um, trauma that has been brought up for women who have been um, assaulted down to harass to, you know, any number of things by men in power and were never held accountable. Nothing ever happened. 
I mean, the greatest trigger of all has been here's someone with, in theory, the ultimate power got away, completely got away with what he had done. And so for them, I mean, it was week after week after week of me working with women who didn't even remember that they had been assaulted or didn't even realize how much it was still hurting them and, and a part of every day of their life, like standing on the train backwards, never going into crowd. Those are perfect examples of how trauma shows itself over a 20, 30 year lifespan of to protect yourself from those events. And, and so that I think this hashtag me too is one of those things where there's this trigger happening, but it, there's also some, some really cool support that's coming with it, which is great. But I do want to explain something. I'm going to do a little boring science lesson really quick, because I think it's really crucial to answer your, the conundrum of, okay, a man hears this and he thinks, well, why don't they just blank? Why didn't you just elbow him or move away? What, why did you freeze? What, you know, because first of all, Humans are very bad at really understanding where someone else is coming from unless we can relate ourselves. So we usually relate it to us. So a man who's never been in any of those positions before has always felt in control and had enough power and physically safe. Can't fathom that, right? Um, so, so one way to understand why women react often the way that you're seeing us react is the way the brain develops. So we have the very beginning old, old part of our brain, which is the reptilian part of our brain um, at the base of the brain, which is our fear response. We, we run, we freeze, we fight. Um, if something's threatening, we figure that out. That's very, very old in us to figure that out because, of course, it keeps us alive and safe. Um, and one of those responses, we often talk about fight or flight. So I'm either going to punch someone or I'm going to run away. But we don't often talk about two other ones. One is freezing where our system literally shuts down and doesn't, we, we can't move. And so you can see this in the animal world. Um, mice in particular will do this, other kind of rodents. Um, a predator will get it in its mouth and it will, we, we used to call it playing dead, but it, it literally just freezes, shuts down. Its system stops working and it can't process the same. So to have distorted memories or even no memories or, sort of missing period of time around an event is very, very common. But unfortunately, the, um, the people who investigate rapes and police who are often taking those reports have not had that knowledge for a lot of time and still are struggling to gain it. So thinking a woman's not telling the truth because she can't remember details or various things. But it is literally the brain protecting itself by shutting down. And another one that is rarely talked about is called fawning. So we have fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And the fawn is, um, and ladies, you might recognize this when I describe it, it's someone with power, someone who's threatening. So we just sort of cater, fawning, imagine sort of like cowing down and I'm sorry and making it better. And this often happens in abusive relationships or, you know, when someone is threatened. Okay, so that's kind of at our base. And then the second layer of brain development is our mammalian brain. And that is the brain that says, get along, like make sure that person's happy and healthy and give them food and nurture those around you. And um, essentially it's our limbic system. And as it develops, it looks around and builds the world. It says, well, how, how do I relate with the world? Who am I and how am I treated? And what do I, what place do I have? And for girls and women, this development often, more often than in men includes, how do I make sure everyone else is okay? No one's embarrassed. Hmm. How do I make sure everyone feels comfortable? 
And so as they're interacting in, let's say, an office in a business setting, and there's a roundtable of discussion, and men who tend to just have a little compartment for feelings, <laughs> not all of them, will say what is on their mind. They get valued for that. They get promoted for that. They are seen as strong leaders. And then women who speak their minds, we have a term for them, right? Okay, but then the other women have this very strong... Wait, wait, um, I, I want you... I, I'd like to be clear. When you say women who speak their mind, we have a term for that. Yeah. Wait, aggressive what is what she meant. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is we categorize them as... They, those are the bitches, right? Right, and that's so what if, you meant. If, okay, I just wanted yeah, to yeah, make I sure... I didn't right. want to swear. That was all. It's fine. So thanks for making me swear, Patrick. Um, <laughs> you could have no, said the word, but yeah. So, she so, wanted everyone to feel okay on the call, Patrick, and then you made her say a bad word. <laughs> right, I'm sorry. Patrick, I apologize. Sorry. I, I just, I honestly wasn't sure what if you were referring no, 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 to I'm that sorry. or something. I was being sarcastic, too, because right. you're, no matter how you act as a woman, you're labeled something. So you're not speaking up or you're too shy or you're too quiet or maybe you don't have any ideas. Or if you do say those things, then you're labeled right. in different ways. But but think about that setting. So this take all the sex out of this for a second. Take that setting and the mammalian part of your brain is make sure, reduce conflict to make sure everyone's getting along. And if there's a few people in the room who don't care about that at all, are happy to have the conflict, are happy to create the ruckus, and it doesn't seem to phase them. They will do that. And then if there is, say, one woman in that room and her limbic system has been developed around be nice, play nice. In fact, we know this. You can look at studies of classrooms. Teachers will tell girls to be nice something like 150 times more than they'll say be nice to a boy. So we have it built into whether it's our parents or our schooling or whatever. We have it built into us to make sure everyone's playing fair and being nice. And so You take that moment on the train with Shay that part of her question was, am I dressed appropriately? Um, all the ways we blame victims, right? Well, it's her fault because she was dressed wrong or, you know, and then and then she has to decide, can can I socially get away with pushing this person away from you? And Patrick, I doubt that ever crosses your mind. Is this socially appropriate for me to push this violation away? So to some extent, it, it's really important for people to realize There's more going on here than, hey, why didn't she just do what I would have done? There is an entire lifetime of being trained as well as on a deep sort of feelings-based level in our, in our systems to act maybe differently than a man might act in that scenario. But I then think there's... Blanked. I wanted to I wanted to chime in one there, thing though. Um, I, I I really appreciate the different levels of the brain that you were talking about. There's a a piece though that I think is is above and beyond that, and and it has to have been more recent than um, mammalian or or reptilian. I would think is that part of her consideration was what will happen to me if I do this. Am I going to get, does he have a knife? Does he have a gun? Is he going to hurt me in some way? Oh, I'm in a crowded place. I'm probably okay to do this. Now I will shove him. All yeah. of that had to come from personal experience and watching the news and all the different things that are in our brains to make us think about uh, the consequences of the actions on top of what you talked about of I'm supposed to play nice, not upset anybody, uh, those pieces. And I think that's what's a huge difference for, for Patrick versus Shea had they been in the same situation. His first thought would not be his personal safety. 
I think probably. there's, I mean, maybe if I was in a bad part of town, uh, there are at some points in my life, I'm fairly fortunate. I, I didn't grow up in dangerous areas. Um, we also have less dangerous areas than in other countries, maybe in France, but it mostly, I think it's fair to say that I, as a man, um, you said something about control earlier, Wendy, and I think it's fair to say that I feel in control most of the time. Yeah. I I don't pay attention too much to what's happening around me. I'm not, you know, um, scanning the crowd. I'm not paying attention to where I'm standing in the in the uh, uh, in the bus or, and and that is something that hasn't entered my every moment uh considerations and i think that's not the case uh for for you i i was gonna say for you guys uh guys is gender gender neutral at this point right i can we say we will for allow you it in this conversation All right, excellent <laughs> in um, general unfortunately no it okay so work. what what would be appropriate for people if I, for no but for you people sounds weird what <laughs> <laughs> how about for you for for y'all. Okay, for y'all. There y'all. you go. <laughs> Actually, unfortunately, I found out, and, and uh, Shay can uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, the plural of y'all is all y'all. Ah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I thought it was um, y'all, you all. Y'all. Well, I, I mean, y'all a lot. So. The, the, okay, good. <laughs> y'all will work. We'll I mean, the, the, the great thing about y'all <laughs> is that it's you plural, which you don't have in, in English, so I think it works. We do have it in French. Uh, so... It feels like, uh, uh, for me, it's not something that I worry about all the time, but it seems like for you, you think it's on your mind uh, all the time. Is that a, a correct assumption? or? I think your experiences definitely do drive that. I don't feel in fear a lot. Uh, and, and uh, I don't mean I, in I, fear, I, but paying attention to your interactions with men and being aware of what's happening all the time. I don't, I don't care. I'm no. not aware. I'm like, no, I'll bring it up. And, um, I guess we haven't really talked about in a work setting, but, um, I'm a person where I, um, being from the South, everyone calls you sweetie. Everybody calls you honey. I get this visceral reaction when someone calls me sweetie and honey, um, only because, um, I had at work, I had people do it to me. Um, I remember dealing with this male leasing office person who I don't deal with anymore, um, but when he would try and dismiss me, if he didn't have a, you know, want to answer my question, he like, Oh, well, we'll try to figure that out, sweetie. And I just like, mm. I, like I, I feel like I feel it in my soul. Uh, and I'm just, I, I, and I just, I, I don't, I don't like that. You can call me by my name. I can call me ma'am, but don't call me sweetie unless I know you. Um, I know at, at my old job, um, I went into a department that was mostly men and older men. I'm 26 years old. And, um, in, at the time I was 21 when I first went into that, um, into that work environment, dealing with a bunch of older men who were sweet as can be super nice. Um, but certain things that they would say would make me uncomfortable. And I, and to me, I couldn't say, oh, that makes me uncomfortable because I was a young woman in this situation in a department full of men who were just going to call me a bitch if I said something or, or most people, um, if I'm, I feel as though, I don't know, you're an older man telling me that, oh, um, 
I wish I could take you home or I should, you know, <laughs> I, I, you, uh, oh, sweetheart. Oh, beautiful. This, that, which is nice, which is great. I'm not uncomfortable with that, but you telling me, oh, we should go out sometime because this, that or whatever, or, oh, that shirt is tight today. Huh? Like, no, like you like, don't say that to me. Because Those are the paper cuts. Exactly. It, because Absolutely. I can't, I, I cannot react to that. A lot of people would say, yes, you can. You can say this, you can say that. No, I can't react to that. Um, I had a situation where, um, uh, it, it, uh, w- uh, where I worked, um, we had an emergency happen and I was the one that solved the problem. And my male supervisor who was over me actively tried to thwart it being known that I was the one fixed, uh, that fixed the problem to the point where he would, excuse my language, he would shit talk me. Um, oh, of course Shay wants to go do this because she always likes to go do that. Or she always likes to be in charge of something like, no, just because you're complacent doesn't mean that I'm complacent. I'm 21 at the time, 21 years old. I want to move up in that position. Um, and people see that as uh, some men seeing that as a threat, uh, of someone wanting to do well. I'm a person where I I like to work with the people around me. I'm not going to undermine you. I know I, I caught myself undermining myself because this man was my supervisor and letting him say certain things to me that made me uncomfortable because this was my supervisor. You again, dumb question. You don't think that would happen to uh, 21 year old men in the same position? No, I think it, I I think (laughs) it's, I think if it were male on male, it would be different in the sense where they could probably say something again i'm making an assumption Mm. um for myself i i mean again i don't know where you work but an older man um depending on whatever their orientation is or not um wouldn't say to another male uh of the same orientation like oh you look sexy today that shirt looks real nice (laughs) oh oh you wearing that short skirt today huh Oh, you got dressed for me today, huh? That, would, has a man ever said that to you? To, to you? Well, I'm sure some people <laughs> listening are going to say, oh, it happens as well. That Male sexual harassment. Uh, it does, yeah. it, the point isn't that it doesn't happen yeah, to men, right? But the point sexy. is the frequency at which it, at which it, I mean, obviously we don't have to explain this. It's, it's pretty no, obvious, yeah. but um, you, you, you all keep referencing older men um, and, in in professional settings, I don't know if it's only older men, but it it keeps coming oh, back. No. But um, oh, at the, it's not. At the time, I was the younger person, okay. so that that's that's just my my personal right. experience. I'm right. sure it happens equally. Love mm. people of the same age all the time. So, Allison, um, you were uh, in your job extremely qualified, uh, usually or commonly more qualified than some of your male counterparts. Um, can you tell us a little bit how it went? Overall, I mean, I don't want to specifically go to fish for, uh, uh, you know, inequality stories, but I'm just, I, I know you there were, have been some and I'm curious how it went. Well, the, the original job like that I had, yeah. oh yeah, well, the original job that I had in mechanical engineering, um, uh, there were, I, I could tell you 14 different little paper cut stories, but things like naked pictures of women on the walls were completely acceptable at that time. Um, and I never, I didn't okay, know any let, better. Let I, me stop you there. Why does it okay. bother you? Again, playing dumb. Why is it a problem? Why does what bother me? Naked pictures of women on the wall. I it's, don't even know how to fun, answer right? that, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing at fun work? about that. It was disgusting. So, no, that, I, yeah, yeah, at, no, like no, at work. How do you? 
So, Patrick, I, I, I'm speechless. at your job, if there were naked pictures of men all over the wall, would you think that was cool? I think that's the difference. For a man, <laughs> I, don't, I think it would be, oh, it's dumb, but it's not, you know, uh, uh, the, the reaction is not the same, I don't think. And what if that's they were why, all very well endowed? Just saying. <laughs> I think it would be the same. It's not a huge deal. And I think that's why... Mm. I mean, for me, I would understand because because I think I understand the 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 fact that it's inappropriate and that it would be, uh, uh, you know, in in this context of a discussion about women, I would just brush it off. Just like being a man, I would brush off so many Patrick, of the concerns you're bringing. But it's also, you don't go to why. work for that. You don't go to work to see other to see mm. naked. As an engineer, you don't go to work to see naked women on the wall. No, to but I wouldn't. Work. I wouldn't go to work again. I'm really trying to get in the mind of some of the people listening who are hearing this, and as men who have gone through life, you know, experiencing life as men, it wouldn't be a big deal. So I think. Patrick, can I combine two things for you? Sure, go ahead. All right. So, because I think these two things are really not separate. How would you feel if you had uh, somebody who was your superior or like, or a colleague telling you, uh, you know, making, uh, uh, making comments about how you look, how they think you look pleasing to them combined with pictures of naked men on the wall? Would that make you feel different? Yeah, that's that's more uncomfortable. I agree. So, it, it but becomes, that's it. That, but yeah. that's exactly what I mean. It's mm. not these these single instances. It's because these single instances are always part of like this this collective system. And I understand that hearing a single instance makes you feel well. You know, it's re- it's weird, or it's or maybe even funny, or just brush it off. But it's this this combination of all these things together. I really wonder how you'd feel then. I'm not suggesting you should put yourself in that place. <laughs> well, I'm my own boss, so I, um, it would be yeah. <laughs> awkward. Not to but. even make listeners that would be really weird. Like, uh, not even to make the listeners feel like you can't flirt because yeah. flirting is something very different, uh, and being attracted to someone is being different. I think my, for example, my situation was uncomfortable for me because these were married men telling me this. Mm. Uh, and me being in my, uh, at the time in my, um, younger twenties, and this is a married man telling me all of these things. And I'm like, mm, I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, not because you're married, but also because this, that, or whatever. Um, but, but flirting is different. And I think, um, that's when, it, that's when it gets to that larger conversation of consent. I know there's a story that's going, that's, this is from a couple of years ago, maybe, maybe not that long ago. Um, where college was offering consent, was making it mandatory for their male students or all students to take consent classes um, just because they don't want people to get, you know, consent and assault skewed. And they had this student that protested the class and didn't want to go to it because he said, I don't need to take this uh, class because I'm not a rapist. Uh, this is not what a rapist looks like. And he that, that was his whole campaign was posting, this is not what a rapist looks like. And everyone saying, you are the exact reason why you need to take this class. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you need to you learn. Know, to, I don't want to get too, too far away from Patrick's question because yeah. I'm really, really sad now. Oh, no. Because of that question. I'm really sad. I, I want to make I, it I, clear. I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I... I, I'm still just speechless that that you asked that, and the, and I, maybe 
I, I understand in other countries, naked pictures are more common, like in the in the the newspapers and that sort of thing. But it's a fireable offense here now. I mean, you can't do that. It's so it's it's like you asked me. So you actually need air every day? I mean, that's how absurd that question is to me. And I, I I'm 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 really 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 sad. So I, I, I don't. Yeah, go ahead, finish, go and ahead. I'll respond. No, go ahead. I, I want to make it clear that this wasn't an actual question from Patrick. It was a question okay. from dumb <laughs> Patrick playing dumb yeah. as, you know. Okay, I feel that does help because maybe <laughs> maybe there's not that many people that dumb. Okay, that, that well, actually does help a lot. But at, it, at the same time, yeah. at the same time, I mean, in France, certainly we are a lot more comfortable with nudity. That is absolutely mm-hmm. the case. So maybe that plays into it a little bit. But I think the way Marlene put it uh, made me understand it even better because even though this is dumb, Patrick, I think there's a little part of it that, that a little part of me that thinks, you know, uh, uh, anyway, th- the way she put it was it's not just the naked pictures, right? It's not, it's, it's everything it's, that goes along with exactly. that. Exactly. The naked well, pictures mean something more. And I think as men, we see the naked pictures just as naked pictures. We see the arm uh, around the, the, the shoulder just as an, an arm around the shoulder. So well, let me let me finish that story then, because yeah, sure. because that's exactly where I was going with it was. So there were naked pictures on the wall, uh, you know, the, the squeezing of the, the, all the, you know, to add 14 more stories like that. Um I, I was expecting to get a certain promotion and they didn't give me the promotion. And I looked around and realized I was in an organization. Again, this is a 60,000 person company. My part of the organization was uh, 250 people. I was the last female engineer to quit that organization. I looked around and it was only me left. And when I brought this up to my boss, he said, well, you know, there aren't a lot of women in mechanical engineering. And I said, "Okay, well, let's do some statistics. When I graduated, my class was 20 percent women. Let's say three out of four of those were civil, electrical and chemical engineers. Let's say five percent were women. What is five percent of 250? Is it bigger than zero? You know, I mean, that's the conversation I had to have with this guy. And now the the good news is because it was a huge company, I was able to move within the company. I didn't even I mean, I moved a mile and a half away and I went to this world where there weren't naked pictures on the walls and there were women bosses and it was completely different. I never ran into anything like what I ran into the other organization. And over the course of my career, there was there was little stuff that I mean, even littler, uh, but when, and, and I thought, oh, wow, the world has progressed. You know, I've run into a few things here and there that are stupid, you know, just stupid people. Uh, but it wasn't as pervasive as it used to be. But what really struck me was when the, the Uber story came out with um, her last name's Fowler. I can never remember her first name Susan, where she described Susan Fowler. Yeah. Where she described all of these incidents that happened. And, and just like you're saying, just naked pictures. The story that struck me the most was when she told the story about the jackets. They had everybody outfitted for jackets, logo jackets. They were beautiful leather jackets. And when they came out, they didn't give any of them to the women because they said, oh, there aren't enough of you. It was going to be too expensive. That was the story that struck me out of everything else that happened to her. That was the one that made me go. That's the symbolic thing that is is, tells you that whole organization was was horrible. And I didn't tell my stories because they weren't big deals, Patrick. I didn't tell it because it's like, you know, I look at these women. They got raped for crying out loud. What is my little my boss squeezed me? They were naked pictures on the wall stories. Those stories don't count. But, yeah, they do. 
Yeah. It's, I think that's the most difficult thing to, to grasp. Uh, again, for men, we've danced around this idea. Um, think because in actuality, if you take, if it was just one of those stories happening in your whole life or two, you know, over the course of 20, 30, 40 years, it, it wouldn't be that bad. But I think if you start imagining that they happen, the little things that happen all the time, and they do. And I think that's another thing that's hard to grasp for us men. It's that they do. We're so in control. We're so comfortable everywhere all the time for most of us that it's really hard for us to imagine what it does to your, to your psyche, to your mind, when you're not, when you are being confronted to all of those all the time. Wendy, maybe you can speak to that, but. Uh... Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a statistic that's the United States and it's incredibly alarming that every 98 seconds, someone in the U S is sexually assaulted. So that's 570 people a day who experience some form of sexual violence. And that's not the paper cuts. These are the big cuts. And, you know, I think about how many people are walking around traumatized, how many, because, you know, I mean, we send people to war and they come back and they're traumatized and we all understand that. Um, but there isn't a lot of understanding. And I think, I think that's what's so intriguing about this hashtag me too thing is what if it changes everything? And, and maybe that's way naive of me, but Oh, yeah. Just At the end of this episode, we're telling everybody the answer, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, but just for a moment, imagine it changes everything that the good guys who've been clueless are clued in. And in meetings, they are the first to stand up and say, that's not appropriate. I mean, what, what would happen? What or, would happen? You know, what do you guys what do you <laughs> what do you all think would happen um, if, uh, you know, I want to say something, something different would happen, but I have a question even for you, Wendy, or anyone, um, Marlene and Allison that want to jump in. Um, cause I know with the whole me too, um, hashtag, I was clicking through it and just as much as there are men bashing it, there are a lot of women bashing it too. Uh, like what, I don't know why they're joining, why they're telling their business. Uh, they're just, uh, it's a bunch of, you know, people crying wolf. Like, what do you think about the women that are against the me too movement as well? So uh, can I throw just my idea real quick is because mm-hmm. uh, I've thought a lot about this, um, you know, it, three out of four women in the United States will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. So are we talk- talking about the one in four who hasn't? And are they because mm-hmm. really, when you say when you talk about the big stuff, you know, they just can see that that's not me. That hasn't happened to me. But when you start to describe experiences on the bus or what a boss has said, the reality is. You're, you're sort of swimming in the soup, and it's sometimes not so easy to recognize that those things have, have happened to you in some form um, until they do, and it's so obvious it sort of breaks you out of the bubble. There's a lot of experiences that maybe they're not registering. So I think there's, a, there's sort of a, a response of like, well, that's not me, and I am somehow, I don't dress inappropriately, so of course it wouldn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. They use some of the same sort of victim blaming stuff to, to justify why they're so different. And, and people get annoyed at, you know, internet hashtag stuff all the time. So I'm not surprised there are people that are doing that, but I would love to meet one of these women and, and (laughs) therapeutically go through her history and see, are you really untouched by this? Have you really never experienced 
first of all, sexism, then on top of that, you know, sexual harassment in any form? Have you always been treated well? And if so, you need to share that whole, because how did you, how is that possible? So, so mm. I just think it's a, it's more of a matter of, um, not being able to sort of access what is hard for them, feeling defensive of the power hierarchy structure. I mean, I think it's alarming to people, right? Like this could be my brother or my dad or my father, if it can be Louis CK or if it can be, you know, whoever it is, is going to fall next. I think there's, there's some tendency to relate to the men just like men do. So men, you know, will, will, will they'll hear about a boss who's been accused of sexual assault and we'll, they'll jump to, Oh, it's a witch hunt. Maybe quicker mm-hmm. than they would if they were someone else, because they can relate to a man in power and how that fall might feel. So that empathy can sort of get placed with the person who has to defend themselves, the new victim as they see it. Um, and so they uh, sort of jump to that. And I think there are women who similarly do that. They're going to relate more to sort of, I'm going to call them white men in power than they do to women who have been victimized. And so they can quickly jump to needing to be protective of that group. Wendy, something uh, you said triggered something that maybe this will help Patrick and the other men listening. I am. Um, I was raised by my mostly by my father. My mother had this image that we used to bake cookies in the kitchen. I have no memory of ever doing that. All my memories are in the shop with my dad. And I had three brothers, so I grew up, you know, playing football. I was really mad when they, my parents wouldn't let me play tackle anymore. You know, I was in the shop. I became an engineer. I worked with men. Um, I'm loud. I'm aggressive. I'm a bitch. Okay, <laughs> using using those words. You know who I am in the meeting. I am not the wallflower. I am the woman who is going to speak up, and I'm aggressive. And I, I I'm I'm powerful. I'm strong. I run. You know, I'm I, I'm all of this stuff. I have to consciously realize all the time that women aren't like me. That that I, and I, and I tried to tell that in my story was was I think of the things that happened to me and I wasn't quiet I wasn't shy I wasn't uncertain I I mean I I became uncertain over time I I began to doubt myself because of all these things I'd go wow I must not be very smart because I'm not getting promoted I'm this must be happening because it's something I'm doing wrong and yet I'm not that kind of woman at all so if you take a woman. And we had, we had a lot of just fantastic training at work where um, I, I started to appreciate uh, Asian women's uh, not I'm going to stereotype, of course, but, uh, you know, quieter, not aggressive, uh, you know, wouldn't disrupt a meeting. How do they get treated? How much worse is it for them if if I'm loud and aggressive and manlike in the way I attack things? If these things are still happening to me and making me doubt myself, what happens for the other women? And and maybe my, that perspective, Patrick, could help from the men's perspective because i'm more like you guys than i am like a typical woman mm. yeah I, it, I, I think in uh i think there, there's um uh in any situation uh, completely like breaking out of breaking out of the the sexism thing i think in every situation um there are moments that we hear people uh describe things that have happened to them uh that they had to suffer through um and and sometimes they are things that we ourselves have uh, experienced as well and and for some reason there can be many reasons for that i'm 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 sure they didn't have the same impact on us so it's and in that case it's really easy to relate to our own situation because we've we, we've been through that 
and we haven't suffered from it. Well, maybe, you know, maybe we feel a bit different, like, you know, there, I'm pretty sure there are plenty of women uh, listening who'll say, you know, yeah, I remember I was like sort of touched inappropriately in a crowd when I was younger. That's true. I still go to festivals and parties. I really don't understand like what, why this is so like stuck in her head. But in all honesty, I'm, I'm again, I, we should really ask the psychologist. <laughs> no, this um, is awesome. But, Keep going. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure that it's really not up to us to to sort of um, uh, say that we need to validate somebody else's trauma. That's just not how trauma works. <laughs> as far as I it's, understand. Please. It's there whether you believe it or not. Yeah. Right. Believe, it, uh, oh, go ahead, Patrick. No, no, please, Shannon. Um, I was, I was going to bring up a different facet, so if you wanted to uh, add your... 15 cents in i think well (laughs) what i wanted what i wanted to 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 say this the way what uh you're all saying uh, the way that makes me feel is that i'm never i never have to think about the fact that i am a man it's just doesn't really matter and it feels to me maybe i'm wrong but it feels to me like just like some other forms of of uh, discrimination, uh, maybe you know people of color or immigrants or that kind of thing, you're kind of always aware of it. And being a woman, you're always aware of it. For me, I'm never actively aware, or not very often, act- actively aware of the fact that I'm a man. Doesn't really cause any problem. I wonder if that resonates at all, or if it's if I'm not understanding it right, but. Um. Yeah, that, I, I, that for me that resonates a lot, actually, like a lot, a lot. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 in the little things, though. For me, like when I walk out to the to my car at night from work, I would always have my finger on the button that sets off an alarm on my car. It would just be natural to do that. I look and behind the keys me. between your fingers. Between your you fingers, poke someone's eyes. Yeah, out. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, always. so you all do that? Just normal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Everyone does that. Every woman. I, I haven't heard about <laughs> yeah, men doing every that. Woman. Yeah. Every woman. Shannon, you wanted to, to say something? Yeah, I wanted to bring up another um, a facet of this, just because I'm just listening to you all is fascinating. And um, for those of you who are listening, maybe can't tell I am African-American. And uh, when, when we were even talking about in the workplace and different things, um, I know, at least for myself in some of the places that I've worked, uh, women of color are few and far between. And when there are few, few and far between, um, it co- comes into a situation of where uh, we're put into a, posi- a position where we're competing against each other, mm-hmm. where it's um, just like there's, you know, the token black friend, there's going to only be the token black female coworker here. And um, if I don't do something like someone else does, then I'm automatically compared to her and I'm the lesser employee and I'm the one that's going to be fired or, Oh, me and so-and-so play around like that. How come you can't, I can't play around with you like that. And, and it's, it's, it's harrowing in a sense because um, I, I remember, I'm sorry. What do you mean? We play around like that. What's I'm not sure. If, I get like it. say if you, um, um, there's, there's a show called on HBO called insecure. That is amazing. And, and people should watch it. Um, but there's, they have um, the, it's, these two women that work in a law firm. One is a very proper, very um, 
to do black woman. And then there's another like girl that most people would consider a home girl who's like loud, who's laughing, who's this, who's that. And, um, uh, a lot of them, uh, joke around with her and say different things and they don't do it with the, the, the woman that's, so that's mild mannered and kind of, I wouldn't say mild mannered, but she's, you know, proper. You have to be, you know, you have to put on your work, African-American, which a lot of people have to do, unfortunately. (laughs) And, um, you know, they can make these jokes and they can say this and, oh, you're lame. You're doing this. You have to put on a facade. And it's like you have to because you're fitting into a sort of stereotype. And if you don't do that, do um, if you don't play this role, um, then people um, look at you a certain way. I know in that, for example, in that episode of Insecure, her um, boss, who happened to be Caucasian, came to her and said, well, hey, can you talk to this girl? Because you can... You, you two could probably relate. They don't know each other. She hasn't, like, this is a woman that's worked hard to get where she is. And now she has to be compared to somebody that's unprofessional just because of the color of their skin. Uh, but, but even bringing it to um, what we're talking about women in general, um, when it comes to assault and when it comes to sexual violence, um, it, there, there's, uh, maybe this is just me and I can only tell from my personal experiences is that there's a pressure and there is a weight that, that is heavy on you, especially within the black community. Say if you get assaulted by a black male, there's that, well, you don't want to put another black man in jail. Like you don't want like our system is, is messed up enough. Like you don't want to do that. Uh, was it really what you said it was? Are you sure he wasn't just playing around? Are you sure he wasn't flirting? Like, you know, if it's an athlete, you know, you're going to ruin their career because they, you know, work this hard to get to where they are. You know, you can't say anything. Or um, if they're an artist or, or a rapper or something like that, you have to say, well, you're obviously making it because you're, you're going for a come up because of the way you are and the way you uh, were raised. And, it's, it's that I'm not sure if it's I can only relate to my experiences, but it's that community pressure that sometimes is almost as suffocating as just the pressure of being a woman as well. Mm. And it's just giving a different a different uh, take on it just because I, I always as I'm there's an article in the L.A. Times. Um, I can I can look it up right now. And we're, when we were um, talking about it, it's by Lauren Rosenblatt. And it's talking about um African-American women and why they don't report campus rapes um, or why it's harder for them to report campus uh, rapes. And I I was reading that and it's just so hearing because it's the same thing as the workplace. It's the same thing in society. It's just, you have, you know, a people looking at you saying, well, you're not, you can't betray your people, but it's like, you have to put your personal stands standings aside for a community. And where, where does it, where where do you look at for yourself? I just think that's, that's interesting. Mm. That's really interesting, Shay. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think I think that's there's uh, layers for each group that uh-huh. struggle with this. I mean, the suicide rate and the rape rate of transgendered individuals and folks of color and mixed, you know, all sorts of things. I mean, it's higher, of course, than it should be, and 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 something to acknowledge as well that it's double layers sometimes for folks. It was one thing I wanted to dig into a little bit, and it, Shay made me think of it, um, is is some of the words that we use, like you referred to a girl, and there was a girl in this episode, and I, I jumped down the throat of a friend of mine because um, he referred to this, this girl in marketing, and I got I just looked at him, I just said, what, what, why did you just call her a girl? And he said, you know, 
like a guy, a girl. I said, no, girl is with boy. And he's like, what are you talking about? He always called girl. I said, okay, think of a boss you've had who's a woman. Now call her a girl in a sentence. Let me hear you say that, that girl I, I worked for. No, you would never say that if she was someone that you respected. And we we really got into it, and, and he did not buy it at all. And and he is an African-American guy. And I said, well, am I allowed to call you a boy? I mean, because that's got a whole connotation, right? I mean, it's just like that. And he he didn't see it. He uh, We argued for 45 minutes, and he couldn't see it. I know a guy that calls women chicks. And I, I always, oh. I'm just like... <clears throat> Usually when I call them on it, they say gal. And I said, no, now you sound like you're in the 1950s. You're, well, what am I supposed to call you? And well, he says, that, lady. Question, and I said, though. no, well, lady implies character. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. I agree. It's an but obvious answer and they don't know it. I, I, that's the f- first place my mind went to as well. But woman is the equivalent to men. Uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is there isn't an equivalent to guy. So people default to girl, which is obviously less than ideal, but... Isn't gal, guy and gal? Is it ladies? Well, <laughs> no, it's that's women. lady in marketing ladies sounds and weird. Ladies and lads. Lady sounds implies old. character. Yeah. It, I mean, oh, okay, but, yeah. There isn't, but there isn't an equivalent to guy, <laughs> right? And that's why we don't, uh, you know, I was asking, so can I say you guys? And obviously it doesn't fit, but um, there isn't an equivalent to, well, and maybe that's part of the problem, right? Maybe we didn't let me, let me, develop that, that word. But uh, yeah, well, let me, let me uh, explain this in a I did a Facebook post that I got a lot of uh, resonance to. I said, what if just for one year, let's have everybody agree that when you generically refer to a person, you say her so that uh, I, I tell you the plumber was late today. You say, oh, why was she late? If I say that guy was or that uh, my my doctor told me, blah, blah, blah. Oh, what did she say? What if we just use she and her generically for just one year and then we can all go back to assuming it's a man? But would that would that change the way we think? And I've started to try to do it. And everybody wrote back saying, man, that's a great idea. So, Marlene, uh, I do this with my kids. We hmm. only say female for any story we're telling. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we're going to see what happens in 20 years. I'll let you know. Well, my um, daughter was was five. She got a new doctor and it was going to be a boy. And I told her about him and she said, oh, I didn't know boys could be doctors. Wow. (laughs) It's the most beautiful thing ever. (laughs) Can I I transition um, this into something really really quick about young people? Because it's really... Just um, yeah, interesting. I'll Um, I'll just say something very very quickly and then I'll I'll give it back to you. in, uh, we talked about it in the latest uh, episode of the show, but there is this debate uh, happening in France with inclusive writing where, uh, you know, because we have gendered nouns, so the, this became a thing, basically. So that made me think of it. But I recently read um, uh, uh, Sapiens uh, by uh, – it's a, it's a really fascinating story about basically the history of the human species – and in that book, um, the man who wrote it called Yuval something Hariri, uh, he actually set, does that switching indiscriminately <coughs> in his, <coughs> ooh, I'm sorry, in his examples from, uh, male to female pronouns. And it's just, you know, it's just wonderful. It works. And there's no reason why we couldn't do it. Just. It, it, but it sounds it, weird, doesn't it? It, it. You know what? It doesn't. Initially, you sort of oh, think, okay. oh, he, he, he used, uh, uh, so he would say, you know, uh, uh, and the, uh, 
I, I, I'm not going to parrot his book, but basically he does it, it works, and I think it could be uh, something that we use more often. Sorry, uh, Wendy. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I think um, the children of the future, that's the answer to this. So here we go. You ready? So um, Sweden is, is pretty advanced when it comes to a lot of this. They, they do a lot of talking. I'll tell you, my son has had, he's 12, he's had three girlfriends. They've all asked him out. Um, mm. I mean, very progressive in, in this regard. Everyone pays for themselves and meals. And, you know, it's, it's very much culturally um, being built in. I mean, the majority of professionals I interact with um, on a daily basis, from medical care to dental care to you name it, are, are women. And it's, um, so it's very different and awesome at the same time. So now the hashtag Me Too comes out. You know, Sweden's got to say something, right? They have, a few, they have a few people who've come out themselves that are pretty well-known and some things. So there's that. But there was this great article by a preschool teacher. And I just love that we can start with preschool. And she talked about all the ways with very young children, we start to train them to sort of move away from what they know they want or what's okay and what feels good for them to what is socially acceptable. And so she gives this example, and, and I think there's not a parent out here who hasn't done this, but, you know, of two little kids at a, at a preschool, one wants to give the other kid a hug and one child doesn't want the hug. They don't want to be touched. They don't want to be hugged. And they make that clear. And then all the adults in the, the room convince the child otherwise, convince them to just hug the child, to just, you know, come on, just hug him. It's not a big deal. So, so we do, for social smoothing over, we, instead of allowing that child to have her own feelings, her own experience, her own right to her own body in that moment, sort of the people, the big people with all the power tell her, no, you need to hug Jimmy because he wants a hug or she wants a hug. Um, and so if you think about sort of those basic, how we are, we tell kids in so many ways not to trust their gut, not to trust that they know what is, what, what they want is the right thing that they want. Um, and so, I mean, I think we have to start very young. I think that's what's so cool about this happening now. I talked to a friend today who has a 15 year old daughter and a boy is texting her, not sexually explicit things at this point, nothing sort of un inappropriate, but she had previously had a, a guy sort of texting her and she wasn't interested and it was torture for her. And so this second round, this kid starts texting her and she says to her mom, I'm done. I can't go through this again. I have to, what's the next step, mom? What do I do? And they sit down and they have to talk about, you know, and for my friend who is a Gen Xer, she didn't know how to do that either. So she's got to figure it out herself. What does this me too thing mean to me? What have I been through? And then how do I then talk to my kids? And, and Marlene, I'd love for you to talk about the dad article you read, because I think dads play a sort of particularly good role in this and, and how we train our kids to tune into what they want, to say what they want. And unfortunately, you know, the consequences socially might be difficult, but if they, if they have the examples of it and sort of the training early can make a huge difference in just sort of respecting other spaces, respecting yourself and what you know and what you want, um, rather than society saying, no, no, do it this way because we need you to be nice or we need you to acquiesce so everyone feels comfortable. 
there's an old commercial. Uh, I, I say it's old. It's probably not that old, but um, the I'm sorry commercial. Um, I don't know if you all remember that hmm. where um, it is a commercial where it's just a compliment, uh, a compilation of just women saying, I'm sorry. Like somebody, they accidentally cut in front of somebody. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I have a question. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't, can you do this for me? And talking to different, you know, men, I'm so, uh, and mostly talking to men, mainly women, but it's like, why do you have to be sorry? Why do you have to be sorry? You have to ask the question. Why do you have to be sorry that, you know, you accidentally bumped it? Well, of course, you know, you accidentally bumped into somebody, but you're just, you know, instead of saying, excuse me, I'm sorry, or I'm sorry, I have a question. Why are you sorry you have a question? And it's trying to take that, take the phrase, I'm sorry, out of that vocabulary when it comes to just personal things, because why, why are you sorry? And that's always stuck with me. And I know I, I try to work on that as well. Cause I'm a person, I apologize for everything, even if I didn't do anything wrong. If you I, women are I, so much nicer than me. Oh yeah, I mean, that, that's a, And I don't know if it's like a Southern thing. I don't know if it's, you know, the way that my parents raised me or the way that my mother raised me, I'm always, you know, be polite. Yes, ma'am. Like if you, if you're, if someone's talking and you interrupt, say, sorry, you know, um, and it, and it, that commercial, oh, I have to link it. it. It stuck with me just because you don't have to be sorry for everything that you do. You don't have to, you know, if you're asking a question, why are you sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. This might be a dumb question. Why are you, you, you don't know if it's a dumb question or not. And women do that a lot. And yeah. and, I, and I, and it's just that like, why, why is it, why do we have to apologize for asking a question? Why do we have to mm-hmm. apologize for, for, just yeah. simple, like colloquial things. It's it's just it's an interesting commercial. It's an interesting thought. Uh, I think it it comes back a little bit back. to education as well, and maybe in some cases there's, um, you know, I, I'm again, I'm sure some men will say, oh, but I say that as well when I want to ask a question. But with everything we've been talking about, I don't think it it it's it is exactly the same thing. Um, and in Finland as well, by the way, we have, uh, my wife was telling me about a new directive from the Ministry of Education that says in preschool uh, or kindergarten, maybe, um, the, the teachers can't address uh, the boys and the girls as the boys and the girls in different groups. Like, you can't separate them like that anymore and i think this idea i'm sure a lot of people listening are going to be a little bit going to the oh my god that's too much like what's next we're gonna address chairs and and people together like this this is really valuable actually (laughs) um do do you have any experience with that marlene i saw you uh (laughs) agreeing earlier but um well um so the, the thing is um uh, I, so yes, I, if I if I so um, <laughs> I re- feel really weird discussing this when we have an actual psychologist on the, <laughs> on the call. I'm sure I'm sure she'll tell you uh, if like, you got something wrong. Just apologize first, Marlene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marlene, Marlene, apologize before you talk. Yeah, that works. <laughs> right. So see, that's 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 it. Um, so. I, What's confusing is that, yeah, there are things that on average girls like to do more than boys, especially at young ages. Uh, that's true. But we know with every, every distinction that we make amongst people, 
if it's about race, if it's about gender, if it's about orientation, all these things, we know that even though um, <clears throat> there are averages in which these groups are alike, that still there is the same um, like dif uh, differentiation within that group. So no stereotype. A stereotype is, I think, you know, it, it can help in like a split second situation. It can makes us think. It helps us to say, is this a dangerous situation? And and they have an instant like thing. But in in education, that's different because we need to address every child. We need to address every person. And if we we know that that all these that, that all these ideas of gender are so social socially ingrained we start doing that at a really 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 young age and um i don't know if you've seen this uh video on uh, i think it's um a, a british uh a video it went around on uh, facebook about um that these uh, two little kids like really like like babies a boy and a girl um what they did was they changed their clothes so the girl would be dressed like a boy and the boy would be dressed like a girl which already uh, is a problem in itself, dressing boys and girls yeah, differently. Yeah, I'm, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But for for this for sort of for this uh, experiment, for this yeah. video, for this experiment, it worked. And they handed these, they gave these children in the care of somebody who uh, uh, of like um, uh, an, a kindergarten uh, educator, and um, and uh, these, I think there were only uh, women in the uh, in the video. I, I don't know for sure. Um, they would all say that they didn't like approach the, the the kids differently because of their gender, but obviously the the video shows that they did. So I can really understand how making these like ingraining these things in the law, or at least making guidelines about this, is making uh, people who are really honestly trying to be aware of not stereotyping, and just because we're hum human beings, we you know. At, at moments, we can't help. It just slips through. It just happens to help make them be even more aware. So in that mm. case, I can really understand how these kinds of guidelines are honestly valuable. If you just say, well, you know, that's not the intention. If you just don't do it, then you don't do it. That's not how it works. Because these are things we do really without knowing that we do them. Mm. Marlene, this makes me think, uh, I... I really deep down believe that maybe what we really should be doing is educating girls and boys in two separate tracks. And one of the great examples, Harvey Mudd uh, is a, uh, a highly avowed engineering and computer science math school in California. And the, I think she was the head of the computer science program, not the whole school. She might've been the head of the Dean of the school. She put in place a program where the computer science uh, first year students were separated boys and girls. And they went from 20% graduating as women because the, the feed into the school was 50-50, but they found that by the time they graduated, it was like 20% women. And she put it together this program where the women were separate from the men and they got to past 50% graduation rate for the women. And, and what they found was that 
at least, and, and it's surprising to me that this is still true, but she said that they discovered that the, the women coming into first year believe they, I mean, they had the math, they had the, the, the uh, intellect to do the job or to learn, but the boys started already knowing how to program a little bit. And so the language of the professor would shift towards what the boys already knew and the women got left behind. When they separate them, then the professors would adapt to whatever their audience was and they found that they got the same graduating class. Uh, you know, 50 50. And so that with what you're describing right there, if you even subconsciously are biased where these people, I'm sure they believe they weren't doing anything biased, but they still were. Maybe if we were just, you know, split us in half the whole way. Mm. Maybe well, that's so a they, solution. Oh. oh, sorry. Wendy. I was just going to say there's a, a study with employment uh, job searches and, and what they found that men will apply for a job they're 60% qualified for. And women will apply for a job they're 100% qualified yes, for. Yes, yes, yes. So that kind of confidence. Now, uh, let's go back to our sort of magical thesis of what if everything changes? What if women were not traumatized, eh? but also, and of course, I know there's men out there too who are traumatized, but we're also confident because I think there is a absolute connection there with this ability to feel like you can just do anything when you're told in many ways and shapes and forms that you can't and sort of knock down in these sexual ways as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's just shocking when we look at some of these differences and, and why they still exist. And maybe this is the tipping when point. They, do you know if they only split that between uh, uh, men and Women, was there also a, uh, a difference in, um, uh, like, the, uh, 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 how do you say that? Like, the confidence of uh, 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 white male versus, versus uh, uh, guys of color, man of color? Right. I, they didn't, that particular study wasn't differentiating between color, but it did go through sort of, it, it was sort of answering the question of why women are making less than men for the same job of trying to understand their interview styles. And it goes back again to this premise of sort of the limbic system and the mammalian brain of, of what I do to get along. I say, sorry, I downplay my achievements in a, in a interview because my mother told me to do that, never brag or whatever it may be. And in the end, you got a guy who's only 60% qualified is like, I'm awesome. And they're like, you seem awesome. Let's do this. And, you know, we wonder what's happening. And I, I think, again, it starts very young age. And the yeah. yeah, well, the, the reason sort of the reason I'm planted. asking is because because I think um, many times that we talk about like feeling like um, like my notion as a, as a white woman of um, the many men I meet, which are uh, uh, on average, mostly white male. Uh, white men, um, they really, re like, in, in, in our Dutch society, they really feel in control. They're, like, uh, uh, let me point that out. If they're not visibly disabled, if they're not gay, so if they fit, like, the, like, sort of the generic human stereotype of, like, a white, middle-aged, heterosexual, non-disabled guy, like, for example, my boyfriend <laughs> for 16 years, uh, he, like, the notion of not being in control is, like, 
just completely foreign to him. <laughs> um, and I was wondering if, uh, so I can really understand the idea. Well, you know, I think I can handle this and being really confident. But I was, so I was wondering if it's only like a, a, a gender split uh, or if it's also like if you are in any other way, uh, like constantly being made aware, being othered, if that is a difference. I would assume so. I mean, that study, not particularly, but I would absolutely assume so that the, the, the need to make up for the otherness somehow be extra qualified to, you know, prove your, I mean, I think that's always mm. been the case for, for other groups. Uh, that I guess that's uh, what I was referencing to also earlier um, when I was saying I never feel not in control or not in, you know, in a secure uh, environment, unless I go, as I was saying, to the bad part of town, which is not what we're talking about here. But um, um, all right, I think we're going to uh, bring this to a close fairly soon. Um I did. We could talk about all of this for a very long time. I would like to give give uh, each of you an opportunity, maybe, to uh, address something that we didn't, uh, something you wanted to say before we end the show. Um, Jay, you haven't spoken for a while. Is there something you wanted to bring up? I or? I've just been listening. Everyone's just bringing <laughs> great points. Um, I think I brought it up a little bit um, earlier, but we didn't really kind of touch on it. But just um, even, even just talking about our experiences, um, I know um, even like not every man is bad. And I think that's where a lot of frustration comes from, at least when it comes from men is that, well, apparently I can't do anything because uh, people are going to think I'm, I'm this, or I'm trying to assault them or I'm trying to. And I think it's not that I think there is a level of common sense that also goes into it. And if you're using your common. Oops. Uh, I can't hear Ooh, Shannon anymore. CK. And oh, I think you the, the interesting. Uh, Sorry, you got cut oh, off for hello. a little bit. So you were saying oh, if you I? use your common sense? Oh, no. Um, I said there is a common sense to it. Um, and I know that there's a, a lot of guys out there. That's where the frustration comes from is because they think I can't do anything because people think that I'm going to do this or that. I know something um, with Louis C.K. we briefly touched on. I think the harrowing part of that was that in his mind, he had consent. In his mind, I asked you if I can show you my penis. And... Even if you said yes or no, that's my consent. I asked you. Um, not understanding that the, even asking the question is putting someone in um, a position that 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 they that he thought he had consent for. And I think just just educating yourself and making sure that you know, hey, if this really, I, I I'm a person where if it's at work, it's not appropriate, regardless. Uh, but if you're in a social situation and you're you just gotta feel out cues, ask questions. Uh, but not questions like, hey, can I show you my penis? Like, uh, you know, get, get to know people. Make sure that you're comfortable with them. I know for myself, I'm, I'm, I'm super open and I like to get to know people. And I'm, I'm a person that's, that um, a lot of people, uh, this is a thing that I do. If I'm listening to someone, I go, mm-hmm, 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 a lot. And a lot of people find that dismissive. Uh, but to me, that, that's me. I'm listening to every word that you're saying and it comes off as flirty. And I'm a person that, that I, I understand that I come off that way and I try to check myself. But what about and I have to think about myself like, oh, huh, why, why, why? If I'm listening to someone and I'm engaged in the conversation, how is that flirting? You know, so so I just hate that I have just understanding that us as women have to check ourselves a lot 
where I feel like men don't check themselves as mm. much. And I maybe think, if that self-check system starts to come in, then, then it w- it's not going to solve problems, but it, it'll bring, make you more aware. I, th- I think it's, I mean, it's going to be very, a long time before everything goes away. But what Marlene was referencing uh, earlier, like in a, put yourself in, in a situation where you think remove the uh, sexual tension, like whatever, however small it might be. Imagine it's your boss or we were saying last time, imagine it's The Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson uh-huh. that you're talking to. Would you be saying that to Dwayne Johnson or... Imagine someone would be doing what you're doing uh, to you like a, a, a prisoner in a prison where you are. Like if that person was doing that to you, would you be comfortable? If the answer is no, then probably don't do it. But I think there are also situations where people want to flirt and they don't know if it's appropriate. And I think that's where some of the confusion or frustration even come from, comes from. But... The, the thing I think it's is, just the checks and balances of it. It's it's yeah. it's complicated, and and when we get to uh, a lot of people think that you know it's nitpicky, or they think, well, it's um, well, that person like that student who said, well, I'm not a rapist. I don't need to take a consent class. You do because you might be put in a situation where you don't realize that you don't have consent, and and now all of a sudden you see yourself as a good guy, but. You, it's, it's opening up that line of communication and talking to people, not just asking questions to validate yourself. That question of, can I show you this? So you can get something out of it. You're not trying to validate me. You're mm. trying to validate yourself. So just, just being, I don't know if it's being comfortable with yourself. I don't know um, what the solution is, but as long as we start to address that, it's a problem uh, that I think that's where we're going to start getting some headway. And I think that we're always going to find situations where the guidelines or whatever don't work. There's always going to be some situation that you can come up with where it's like, well, what if I'm in that context and I do this, then this is going to be interpreted as that. Or can't I do this even? And yes, there are going to be examples where it doesn't work. But I think what the last few months, and if we're being honest, decades and thousands of years have proven is that there is a problem there. And if we get, if we can address it, you know, 50%, 70%, 90% of it, then that's probably something we should do. And if the consequence is that in some situations, you feel like you can't have fun with someone that you, that you want to flirt with, there's always going to be flirting. I don't think it's going to kill, you know, men and women or you know romantic relationships but we can all make a little bit of an effort but i, I can, it's I can also, add oh i'm sorry I, just, or I think maybe you can even uh, piggyback on this is that imagine we're coming from a time where back in america it used to be okay to just slap women on the ass at work excuse my language <laughs> so so it, we're coming into a yeah. time where women are starting to speak up for themselves and you're gonna hear it and you're it's gonna get it you're it's, it'll be known And I think I can, men I can, give can a little take bit of, it too. It, I, I just I'll get back to you just a second, Allison. I'm sorry, but I think men can take it, and it's incredibly insulting when men come out and say, "Oh, but then we can't even flirt." Like, sh- I'm getting angry. We can take oh, no. it. It's fine. It's it's okay. Angry we'll Patrick survive. Is my favorite right? Patrick, actually. So I, I can <laughs> Allison, I can give some ahead. specific I can give some specific guidance to the men on this. Um, I ended up being a manager of about 170 people, and with that many people, you end up with things that go wrong. And what HR taught me uh, was that there's two things they look for, 
persistent and pervasive. So if you have a, I'm just going to say man for this example, if you have a man who is constantly, you know, like, like the texting example to the young girl over and over and over, you know, you say, no, thank you. And it keeps coming. That's persistent. Mm. Don't do that. The other one is pervasive. So if you have a guy in this example who goes to woman A and starts doing stuff to her and then to, then to woman B, woman C, woman D, woman E, you see this pattern of behavior across a bunch of women. That also is what gets you in trouble. If you ask a woman out on a date, you do not get in trouble for that at work. That is not going to happen. You ask her, she says no. You say, okay, bummer, move on. But don't also go down the line of every single woman in the whole organization, you know, at the same time. Those are the two things. Persistent and pervasive is where the problems really come in. Or ask the same woman again 15 times. Well, that's what I just said. Persistent. Right. So persistent is over and over and over again. Pervasive is asking Mm. all of them. Right. Um, And and if you keep that in mind, I mean, yeah, it's okay. And one of the behaviors I think people get stuck into is thinking, well, uh, you know, everybody does it in this office, so it's okay. No, it's not okay. Everybody had naked pictures up on the wall. That did not make it okay. Everyone joked around like my boss did. That did not make it okay. Let me me throw out just a a quick definition of consent. Um, I worked for a a while with the, on the board of a rape recovery center in Salt Lake and one of the cool achievements of that organization was to work directly with the fraternities at the local universities and be a part of their parties, be a part of trainings, be a part of a whole week where the the boys in the fraternity, and they were boys because they were 18, um, where they were um, educating other fraternities and, I mean, really getting involved was really pretty cool. And one of the sort of key takeaways in understanding consent is a really important word, and that is enthusiastic mutual consent. And if Hmm. you are drunk, you can't be enthusiastically consenting. If you are on some kind of drug, you can't be enthusiastically consenting. Um, Enthusiastic, think about that. It's like, heck yeah, let's go. That's enthusiastic (laughs) consent. And That's really wonderful. Thanks, Randy. Yeah, and anything other than that, is probably not mm. walk away. Yeah. Maybe try another day or something, but this, you know, I think that's a really, but not helpful. every day. Consistent, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Right. I had one question I wanted to leave the other women with, and this doesn't have to be answered live, but to anybody listening is, uh, I've got a 30 year old daughter and I mentor her a lot about work and any advice you guys have for uh, how I can explain things to her. And one of the things that was brought up here was that that tentativeness um, of, of where where men put themselves forward when they, they I think they're 50 percent qualified and women 100 percent. And she's been really trying to work on, OK, I'm just going to put myself out there. If I think I've got a good shot, I might as well go ask for it. She's been asking, you know, she asked for a raise. I mean, that's the kind of thing that men do and women don't. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if there's ideas you guys have for her, I'd love to hear them at some point. Well, we'll let everyone think about that. Um, and. I guess the last thing I'm I'm going to uh give it to Marlene at the end but one thing I didn't want to mention that came to me when you you were speaking now was the um things can get better and I think they have been getting better for a long time however bad they are and I think they are going to get even better than that 
And one thing that, that came to me was the uh, use of the word gay, especially in the gaming community, as an insult on voice chat and stuff like that. Of course, the gaming community is something I know a little bit uh, better than other communities. And it was very pervasive. You know, in the mid-2000s, people would say just, oh, that's gay. And you know how gay was being used. And it came to prominence at some point. I think I mentioned this on the previous show, but at some point people started thinking about this and saying, yeah, that's not really cool. And the the mere fact that we started talking about it and that some people when it was being used, would say, hey, that's not cool, and not necessarily make a huge deal about it, but speaking up a little bit, now I think it's linked to it, but now it's not being used at all. Or at least I don't hear it. It's not the real problems. So I think it is possible. It takes a little bit from everyone, and it doesn't necessarily need to become, you know, I mean, in, in the Naked Pictures example, um, I think if if that was outrageous in, in that context, but if someone had said, or if you, you know, the first time someone says, hey, dude, that's not cool, maybe you go like, oh, whatever, you're, you know, you're, you're no fun. Second time someone says, hey, that's not cool. Third time, fourth time. At some point, it changes the uh, mood, right? And what's socially acceptable. So I think that's something that if men and the people on the, giving end of the inequity in general uh what we can do to help is just mention that's not cool if there's a remark or a little something that happens that you notice don't necessarily put them out in front of everyone but go see them a little bit afterwards or you know you know i thought that wasn't great what you did or maybe she didn't take it the right way or maybe that these kinds of things the little things change minds i think so i think we can all help with that Did, what do you think would that help is that not enough no i think that's great <laughs> oh patrick you <laughs> nothing are is enough this has been so great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hard to watch you squirm a little but it's also kind of fun because it is um it's it's kind of rare for one man to sit and listen to four women i mean how often is this happening on a regular basis about and maybe it is and i'm missing it but of really trying to understand and really hear what women's experiences are is is huge. So thank you. That's just, oh, really, I, yeah, I thank wasn't you. fishing so. for, for thanks, but <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, but I mean, what, what what do you say? It's adorable to watch you squirm. Do you think I'm not being? Uh, uh, I'm not getting it, or I said adorable because it's sexist. That's why. Ah, um, okay. No, no, I do think you're getting it. It's just like. It's, it is it's remarkable, great. though. It is. And I think, and I meant adorable in a, in a nice way, I really did. But w meaning, like, your attempts to learn and understand are huge. And, I, and that's actually what I would suggest for anyone. When you have a good guy in your life who doesn't get it, don't yell at him. Don't pile on statistics. Sit down and listen to what they have to say. Um, understand their concern before you bite their head off. That's really tempting. Um, I had a two hour bus ride with one of those such guys, really nice, nice dad, great husband. He was just trying to understand why a woman didn't report the sexual harassment until 10 years after it happened. And I kept giving him analogies and tried to help him understand. And eventually at the end, he, he just kept saying, well, I wouldn't have done that. I, I feel like she did it for, to become famous and, you know, kind of blame the victim and, 
the very end, I said to him, do you know anybody who's been assaulted? Do you know anyone who's sort of gone through and he's kind of racking his brain? He's like, I really don't. Everyone I know is, you know, these strong Swedish women. He doesn't, he doesn't know anyone. And I'm like, oh, you probably do. I don't know. Let's think about that. And his wife was on the other seat in the other seat. And she leaned over and she said, how about your mom? And he went, oh, I forgot about that. Fuck. <laughs> and, I'm sorry. And then, oh. I know. And then he said, but this took two hours, guys, for us to get here. And this is oh, a good Lord. man. And I said, your mom, tell me about that. And he describes how she was raped when she was 15 years old. And he, she's had four or five husbands since. His life has been completely affected by the pain she's been through, the insecurity she's always felt, and the damage that did. And it was worth all two hours, everybody, because at that moment, he, he got it. He's like, she never got help. She never told anyone. And it almost ruined her life and mine. And I said, yeah, maybe that's why she didn't tell anyone for 10 years. And now, hashtag me too means someone's got my back. Someone will listen to me. I'm safe enough. So hmm. be nice to the good guys because they don't, they don't know, but they need, they need to hear the stories, but they also need to talk too. And, and it's really tempting to jump down their throat and say, what? Why don't you get this? Well, <laughs> you know, they'll get there. I think there is a difference too. There is a difference between someone who just doesn't know versus somebody that just doesn't want to know and recognizing that difference as well. And that's for women and that's for men. There's some people that just think, oh, well, they deserved it, et cetera, et cetera. Or just like, hey, I don't understand and I'm willing to listen. And I think a lot of men that do want to understand get lumped in with the other men that don't want to. And that's when it becomes sort of a taboo or I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to even think about it because I don't want to, you know, get I don't want someone jumping down my throat. So I I hesitate to say this, but I will agree. You know, I play dumb on the show sometimes, but I am, I, I think I can call myself a feminist. Um, hopefully my mom and wife and women who know me would agree. Um, but it is sometimes a, a little bit harrowing. And I don't want to say, oh, look, I'm suffering. You know, that's not the point. It's just in reality... In practice, we have to all work together if we want to solve this. But it is a little bit harrowing sometimes to be in that uh, in that seat of the person trying to listen and to help. And so even someone like me sometimes feel, whoa, okay, just wait a second. I'm not the enemy here, kind of, you know? And it's something that... Uh, uh, men should work on but not recognizing this um on god this is going to sound terrible because it's okay just say it it's okay <laughs> um it's i and i think it's the same issue for every uh problem of uh discrimination the people in the group that is privileged will feel, and I think that's something that, that would come up if, if we ever talked about identity politics, the people in the group uh, that is privileged will feel uneasy or some form of aggression or something that will, that will make their natural reaction, well, then, F all of this, right? Uh, you know, 
it it is it I, it's not great, but it does happen. And if it even happens to me, and it, again, I'm playing dumb. It doesn't really happen to me. But if it does happen to someone in my position, which is someone who wants to help, wants to listen, wants to get people to talk to one another, um, I don't even know what the conclusion of that is. I guess I'm just trying to say it even happens to me. So what? I don't know what to do with that. I guess it's a question for myself. I don't know me, what to do with it. Let me finish this on a on a happy note. After I did my women's story, which which had nothing to do with my podcast, I just shoved it in, my, in both my podcast feeds and said, you guys are all getting this, whether you like it or not. I'm going to throw this out there. Mm. 100% of the male reaction was, wow, I, I, I didn't know, and I feel terrible that you've gone through these things, and I'm going to think about that. 100% of the reaction from men and women. The women's ones broke my heart, but the men's gave me hope. Mm. So there. every All the men are awesome. <laughs> I don't... And, and, and I was going to throw in just one last thing with... You described it really well, Patrick, actually. It's when the person with privilege, and usually it's unacknowledged privilege, they don't recognize the privilege um, until they... So it's pointed out. That's painful. No one wants to think they have some advantage. They think they want to believe they've earned everything. I've earned all of the things that I've gotten and don't try to take that away from me. It's, it's sort of a scarcity mentality a little bit. And, and so when you approach someone and try to tell someone in a position of privilege about your pain, it's really difficult. I mean, we, we don't have to get into this, but race relations in the United States is a long history of really loaded, very problematic. And a lot of it has to do with it's very hard to hear the pain when maybe you didn't personally create the pain, mm. but the legacy you come from created that pain. And so to hear it and to sit with someone's pain is really hard to do if you don't have a lot of training and time to do it. <laughs> so your initial reaction will be defense. So if you find yourself defensive, and this is sort of anyone listening, if you find yourself defensive, maybe ask yourself, why can't I hear someone else's pain and not make it about me? Because that's what it is. It's yeah. I'm making that person's pain about me. It's And it's a skill that's, that comes with time and practice and intention and isn't easy to do, but it really is about hearing someone's pain fully and then, you know, then going from there. It's the first thing I thought of when you said you worked with the, the rape crisis group is like, oh, God, how did you listen to all that pain? That was the first thought I had when you said that. It's not easy, but yeah. someone's got to do it because ultimately and, and this is this is a final like. You know, women who have um, been traumatized need help. I think what we're seeing is that there's sort of a group cathartic process going on, but. To, to hold these secrets in, to have them, it's, it's like a weight that you're carrying around. Um, to hold them in and to, to sort of move through the world in this much fear, there is help. There is a way to release a lot of that. And, and I think everyone's being triggered in some form right now, you know, from the small little from everything going on. Big things. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, find a friend and mm -hmm. get some help. And, and, and I, the last thing I want to say is just that I noticed this in this group of women and, and Patrick, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We're sort of happy to hear each other. 
Yeah. I'm and loving this. It's well, like, yeah, it's like, oh, you talk now. Now you talk. And and <laughs> often in men, you've got a, an ego challenge where they, they sort of love to hear their voices sometimes. And so well, I'm not good at listening either, by the way. And I've just been just riveted to the conversation. I realized, wow, it's just like I'm getting to listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, so ladies, support each other. That's all. As I interrupt you, by the way. <laughs> I forget that I could talk. I was like, oh, I can say things too, because I'm just listening to you all. Um, and I think I'll, I'll conclude it uh, on this. Uh, nope, you told me you started. were going to throw to me too. Oh, yes, yes. Absolutely. Go ahead, Marlene. Oh, my ADHD brain is being so quiet. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just I just had to get that out of my system. Um, not sorry. I just had to get that out of my system. Um, <laughs> so I, I, uh, there, there, there's two things. Um, I'm really, really, Wendy, really, thank you. And uh, for for saying that it's hard to hear somebody else's pain when especially when they in the way they refer to it as you know as we've done here as saying you know men do this to me that's a generalized term so i can especially understand that if you say that if you just sort of like (laughs) get that off your chest when you're talking to a guy i understand the defense reaction so my my question to to uh to men but also to Basically, everybody who has a kind of priv- privilege when you're talking to somebody who does not share that particular kind of privilege, um, that when you feel indeed that urge to sort of, well, that's not me, or maybe you you didn't, you know, maybe you interpreted wrongly, maybe just when you feel that, just say to yourself, you know what? I just want to know what it's been like for you. So if you ask that, um, I think and think that's really valuable. Don't try to solve anything. Don't try to defend anything. Just ask and and honestly be honest to yourself. Want to know what is what is this like for you? Um, there's two articles I would really like to uh, suggest. One of them, and I'll I'll um, uh, make sure you have the links, uh, Patrick, so you can put sure. them in the in the show notes. One of them is one that uh, really helped me make my uh, partner understand. And he then took the article to his job. He's a, a manager at a, a big uh, IT consultants uh, company. So uh, that's a vast majority of male employees, which is um, a story. And if I remember it correctly, it's, it's, in the, it's from The Guardian, which is about a woman explaining all those little things, all those paper cuts, Coming from the idea that, you know, she sort of lashed out at her partner and he's like, I don't understand why this is such a big thing. And she's like, that's because I haven't been telling you all those little paper cuts all the time. And when at the moment she did that, then the sort of the picture worked for him. He could understand why why other things would be would cut so deep. So if you Mm. think to yourself, you know, I I know I'm not this guy, but I'm also not the guy who says he's not the guy, and so he does not need the consent cl- uh, consent class. So, read that article. That would be really helpful. Then, if you have a daughter, especially if you have a young daughter, um, but if it were up to me, also if you have a, have a if you have a son or like a younger uh, a young son, 
Uh, there's an article um, about how to talk to uh, um, uh, your daughter about sex. And I would really, if like, if I could have my wish, it would be that we all can like normally converse about sex, honestly, because uh, that would really solve <laughs> a lot of things. Um, and this, uh, this article explains why it's so frustrating and difficult and freaking scary for most dads to talk to their uh, daughters about sex, but also why it's incredibly important and most, most valuable, probably. It, uh, it actually explains you how to approach the subject, how to do this, how to talk about these things and to make sure that you, like, that you can help your kids have a, a healthy, a normal uh, uh, conversation about sex so they know how to explain their boundaries and also just how to understand their own bodies, which is really, really valuable. Um, and uh, on like uh, to end on a lighter note, I will also uh, add the link for a video of like the sort of the Dutch uh, uh, um, uh, um, version of um, uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Uh, we have like a similar sort of uh, on Sunday uh, a political, or, uh, political or societal uh, commentary show with a uh, Dutch man, and uh, one of the ideas is that one of the problems that we have not addressed, and actually it hasn't come up uh, in this show too, is that there is a sort of unspoken um, feeling that somehow women are—it's um, up to women to relieve sexual tension of guys, of men, um, in relations to, and like when they're in a relationship to, that like that there's an urge and it needs to be served. Um, actually, there's a really healthy and really good uh, remedy for that that does not involve uh, sort of like sort of pushing yourself on somebody else, which is really healthy masturbation. And uh, our uh, our Dutch dude actually made like the video the TV guy actually made uh, a musical song about that. It's called the Masturbation <laughs> Song, which explains why it's actually really healthy, healthy relief. <laughs> and it also includes make sure you're alone, um, <laughs> not like, on the subway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Actually, I, personally, I think it's really uh, really interesting. It will make you laugh. It also makes sure that you will never forget the lesson. <laughs> all right well send me all the links uh and and i'll make sure to include them in the um in the show notes um so you you kind of said what i wanted to say which is ultimately listening is what this show is about and i think the the solution which allison um mentioned in the beginning that we were going to come up with you know by the end Maybe that is what we can do. Um, just I want to thank you, Patrick. Right? Thank you, thank you for doing this. And and it's it's very much to me like the shows I've listened to, learning about Venezuela and Colombia and and Ireland and and Saudi Arabia. And I've learned so much from this. And I hope this helped other people to understand the stuff we're talking about. But I just I enjoyed the heck out of this. This was wonderful. Well, well, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> I. I really hope it did help a little bit, uh, people listening. And uh, if it didn't, then listen more. 
listen to the people who say they have <laughs> problems and ask questions and be interested and and un not like I did earlier in the show don't make it about yourself like it's not about what necessarily we can do immediately maybe listening is, is the right first step um all right why don't why don't we go around the 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 virtual table and uh, let us know if you have some kind of presence on the internet and you want if people want to uh uh talk to you ask questions or you know just find out what you're what you're up to um let us know where they can find you maybe wendy are you still on instagram I am. You can find me on Instagram and you can find me at therapythursdays.com. You can email me there. And uh, I have been very lax about writing on that blog, but it'll be updated <laughs> fairly soon. So no judges. <laughs> cool. Uh, Allison? My Twitter handle is podfeet, P-O-D-F-E-E-T, and my website is podfeet.com, and my email is allison at podfeet.com, and I'd, I'd love to hear from people what they thought, um, and especially if uh, you have more questions, if there's things you want to know, what did you mean when you said, or even arguing with me, I'd love to argue, so go for it. <laughs> and let me say, I don't love to argue, but I would love to refer you to some therapeutic invention if you're interested in that, so argue with Allison. <laughs> If you need help, contact me. Get actual help from Wendy. <laughs> um, and you can find uh, that show we mentioned on the uh, the, the two podcasts uh, that Alison does where she tells her woman's story. So you can find that as well. I'll include, as usual, the uh, Twitter handles of everyone in the show notes and you can go from there. Um, Shannon, what about you, yourself? I am at ShayX5 on Twitter. Uh, well, on Instagram, I think it's Shay1220 on Twitter. Um, I also have a podcast called The Showmance Club, where we do show podcasts about shows like Big Brother and RuPaul's Drag Race, if you want to check that out. And it's just very nonsensical. It's me um, and two friends, and we're, we have fun. Um, also, um, what, what else am I involved in? I'm a GM <laughs> as well, so I do that. Um But that, that's pretty much it. I produce something called Rassy on YouTube. I also um, produce another um, show called Seasoned. It's an Instagram television show. So um, with some amazing people and some amazing girls that write and create. So uh, check me out. I, I repost a lot of stuff on Instagram. I'm, I, t I tweet a lot of stuff as well. And that's how me and Marlene met. So I'm pretty cool. Come check me out. Excellent. <laughs> yep. She's really cool. Can't um, confirm. <laughs> Marlene, you you're cool complain, too. <laughs> where, where can people find you? Um, I'm uh, on Twitter as Monxies, which is M-O-N-X-I-E-S. I think I find the English like phonetic alphabet really difficult. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but you'll find me. It will be in the show notes uh, too. And I am not really looking forward to like argue, but <laughs> I would, but like, honestly, I, I mean this sincerely. If you're like, uh, if you're a person says, you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm trying, I just don't understand. I'm really okay. If you like send me a tweet and say, Hey, so I, I don't understand like why this apparently hurts so much. And I do want to understand why then, you know, we can talk about that. That's okay. 
Cool. So again, the Twitter handles will be in the show notes. Uh, you can also come and ask questions and talk about all of this on the blog itself. That's frenchspin.com. Um, there will be, of course, an episode, uh, an article for this episode, uh, along with all the links that uh, people discussed on the show. Um, and on Twitter, you can find me as NotPatrick. You can also find me on Facebook as NotPatrick. You can Leave comments on iTunes. That's always helpful. Um, if you want to leave a review and uh, a few stars, that would be very nice and help us gain a little bit of visibility. And of course, if you actually want to financially support the show, that's also possible. You can do that at patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. The link is going to be in the show notes too. It takes two seconds. You decide how much you want to give per episode and then your, um, your, your uh, credit card or payment method will be uh, charged at the end of the month you can choose how many episodes you want to support a month you can stop whenever you want everyone knows patreon it's really cool and it helps creators um, like myself continue to uh, produce shows like this so if you appreciate it if you think it's useful uh, valuable in any way please consider going to patreon.com slash the fetus club and thank um, thanks a million to all the people who already do that is going to be it uh, for me. Do let us know what you thought of the episode and uh, we will be back with a regular episode in about a couple of weeks. We'll talk to you then. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.